the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. St. Paul. With SRN News, I'm Bob Agnew in Washington. The U.S. will ban travel from South Africa and seven other countries after the discovery of a new coronavirus variant. The travel ban begins Monday, and it was announced after the World Health Organization described the Omicron variant as a variant of concern. President Biden announced the ban after getting briefed from his White House COVID team. He described it as a precautionary measure. That's White House correspondent Greg Cluxon. Stores were open on Black Friday. The crowds and store shelves not quite as packed as in recent years, but Tammy Thorsell out looking for Black Friday sales. And Olympia, Washington says it was good to see the stores open. It actually feels really wonderful to see everybody out and about because last year I came out for a little bit and it was really quiet. Um, it, it didn't quite feel right for the kickoff of Christmas. The National Retail Federation says it expects larger sales figures overall this year for both November and December. This is SRN News. When you take the time to really get to know your body, you find that the root causes of its aches and pains are usually simple. The older we get, the more exercise we undertake and the more injuries we sustain, the more inflammation our bodies suffer from. It's so simple. And my answer to that pain is Relief Factor, which I discovered years ago and take every single day to great effect. It helps the body to fight off inflammation and I've never found anything that worked better in my life. I can't recommend it enough. 70% of the more than half a million people who have tried Relief Factor end up ordering more. That's because it works for them the way it works for me. Isn't it time for you to get out of pain? Your first step to becoming pain-free should be to order the three-week quick start for the discounted price of only $19.95. Go to relieffactor.com or call 800-4-RELIEF to find out more about this offer. Feel the difference. relieffactor.com. I'm Staff Sergeant Mark Anthony I'm Madrid. Staff Sergeant Smith DeCal. I'm Staff Sergeant I'm Alex. Staff Stevens. Sergeant William Lewis, and I am proud to defend my family and our nation. The Air Force Reserve is part of the story of this great nation. I'm grateful that I have a chance to wear the uniform of the heroes that went before me. I'm proud to be part of a team that helps make a difference in the world. Every day, men and women from communities across this nation serve as reserve citizen airmen. Even as technology evolves and changes, our commitment to defend and protect this nation remains steadfast. We celebrate those who have served and those who are proudly serving. We celebrate our proud history and look towards an exciting and uniting future. Our mission is to fly, fight, and win in air, space, and cyberspace. And I'm proud to be a member. And I'm proud to serve in the United and States. And I am Air proud Force. to protect our country. Proud to serve in the U.S. Air Force Reserve. AFreserve.com. Portions of this program may have been pre recorded. Is it his time? Turn all the lights on and kill the noise. The Biz 1440 presents the best two hours of economic news and commentary. It's the King Banyan Show, your source for penetrating economic insight, razor-sharp analysis, and unflinching universal thought. Oh, God, that's all I need. Everything you need to maintain clarity and stay ahead of the economic curve. Let's go while we're young. Now, here's Professor King Banyan. Welcome back, King Banyan Show, The Biz 1440. Thank you for listening today. Um, I'll tell you, I had never heard of this person before her nomination to be the comptroller of the currency. And I couldn't think of anybody better to look at this uh, than, uh, than Vern McKinley. Vern's been on the show a few times before. 
Uh, we might have to give him co-producer rights, or maybe, or maybe to borrow a, an idea from Jonah Goldberg, maybe he gets a gold jacket of the King Banyan Show um, as as a as a frequent guest. Uh, but Vern uh, is a is a consultant, an attorney, and financial policy a- expert, uh, an analyst, author. Uh, his last book, uh, his last book uh, with James Freeman from the Wall Street Journal. Borrowed Time, Two Centuries of Booms, Busts, and Bailouts at uh, City uh, is actually, you might not think a banking history is a, is, a, is a breezy read. That book is fun. I mean, it's not just, it's, it's actually not just, uh, just, you know, boring. This guy was a president and they made this much money that year and they gave out this many loans. No, it's, it, it, banking histories, I find, generally speaking, are, are enjoyable and this one's as enjoyable as any. Vern, good morning. I assume that uh, borrowed time is still available at booksellers everywhere, right? Uh, thanks, King, for having me on the show, having me back. And uh, yeah, it's it's still available. Um, kind of sales are at a trickle at this point. It's been three years since yeah. we did all the publicity and all, but uh, yeah, it's still available online, uh, either from the publisher uh, Harper Harper Business or on Amazon or any of the other book sites. Yeah, and and are you working on another book? Are you are you got any thoughts on another book? No, <laughs> I've determined that um, the economics of it doesn't make sense, and the fact that I mean I work full time on consulting, so it usually requires three or four years of part time. You know, giving up my free time for three or four years, and between those two issues. Um, I think I, I've uh, yep. written my last uh, commercial book. Maybe I'll do some kind of family history type book, but that's that's the extent of it. <laughs> okay, well that sounds cool. Okay, so so Vern, I went through your long I went through your long resume. Uh, I'm looking at, at your LinkedIn profile to get your long resume uh, up here. So I'm looking at this. I when I when we first met, and we actually met in Armenia the first time. Um, um, you were you were already working as a consultant, but your history and I said, oh, he's one of those guys that worked at, at uh, FDIC and RTC, uh, RTC, the Resolution Trust Corporation, so forth. But you never did work for the uh, Comptroller of the Currencies Comptroller of the Currency Office, did you? Right, that's one agency I missed over the years. I mean, I worked uh, first job out of college was FDIC uh, during the banking crisis in Texas, then I moved down to the Federal Reserve. I was a, a research assistant there in monetary affairs, and then RTC in a law firm, and then OTS within Treasury. But yeah, the OCC is not um, an agency that I ever worked with. So can you explain to listeners, even though you didn't work there, you know, you know the landscape so well, what does the Office of the Comptroller of the Currency do? Well, it's probably best um, to trace through uh, the different types of banks. I mean, the, I mean, as you you know, the um, U.S. system is kind of a patchwork. You got state regulators, you got federal regulators. So, I think the best place to start would be the smaller banks. Those are normally state chartered, and then every um, institution also has to have a federal, uh, a primary federal overseer and most of those small banks these are banks that you know maybe a few hundred million or otherwise so they would be uh jointly overseen by the state authority and the fdic so those are the smallest banks and then as you work your way up um kind of the the middle level the the federal's reserve uh for those that are members of the fed um, is the primary regulator of Fed member banks that aren't national banks. Um, so that's kind of the middle tier. And then Federal Reserve also obviously um, oversees the holding companies and the financial uh, the, the f- financial uh, uh, groups and all that, which, you know, the, the, that's usually relevant for the bigger banks. And then the largest of the banks are overseen on the federal level by the OCC, um, to put it in perspective, about two-thirds of the assets um, uh, fall uh, in the banking system fall under the oversight of the OCC. And so brief history is, you know, it used to be only state authorities granted um, charters. That was from the beginning of the, uh, the Republic to 
about the early 1860s, and then the OCC was created in the 1860s, and, you know, the movement has been from mostly state-chartered banks in the early days of the U.S., and now, um, the, the, you know, two-thirds of the, of the assets are under this federal charter, um, the OCC, and so they, um, it's certainly a, a powerful position to, to be the, the comptroller of the currency, which is the um, top, uh, the top person at, at, at the OCC. So, uh, next question, and I'm going to get to Omarova maybe maybe in a few minutes, but I'm just trying to get people to understand, because this is probably one of the more opaque positions in the financial regulatory system. So, can you talk about, because my understanding was the role may have changed somewhat after Dodd-Frank, which everyone will have in their head, wait, there's someone from Dodd-Frank that's doing all that stuff, isn't it? So, what what is that relationship between OCC... And and the and say Dodd Frank and the and the the committee that got formed to oversee financial regulation from Dodd Frank. Okay, so um, yeah, the big uh, the committee you're referring to is the FSOC, the Financial Stability Oversight Committee, which was created under uh, Dodd Frank, and that's the predecessor of that was called the Working Group on Financial Markets. It, I think it was created under Reagan, and it, it, it used to be a fairly small committee, uh, essentially, you know, times of panic, like the crisis in 1987, uh, where you had the stock market crash. It would be, a, it was a quick, informal way. I mean, it wasn't under legislation. It was an executive order, so it was a quick way for President Reagan to, you know, pull together the top four or five um, uh, agency heads. And so Dodd-Frank... Um, Unfortunately, in my mind, uh, it, it, they created a, a very unwieldy um, committee. It's got about, I don't know, it's about 12 or 13 members, and um, this includes you know, all the financial regulators, the, the heads of the Federal Reserve, um, the OCC, that's one of the roles of the OCC, the, the, uh, the Office of Comptroller and the Comptroller of the Currency, which is the position that Amarova was pursuing. And so, um, you know, and they vote on systemic um, uh, related issues and they make recommendations or decisions regarding um, systemic uh, uh, risks and the like. So, uh, in additionally, in Dodd Frank, the Federal Reserve gained a lot more power. Um, if for the non banks, where you know, if you got a non bank and the FSOC determines that there's a big risk or potential for financial instability, um, it's possible that um, that non bank, which may not be directly um, overseen by the Federal Reserve, will come under the Fed's. Um, uh, jurisdiction. So, uh, you know, during the crisis of 2007 to 2009, there were a lot of questions about, well, this is, uh, you know, this is an OTS institution or this is an SEC institution in the case of Lehman and Bear Stearns. Um, and the, the remit back then wasn't entirely clear about, you know, who would um, go in and, and make these decisions. So this FSOC was intended to be a, a committee that um, would consider uh, these cases where the it was thought that the, the entire system was at risk, so-called systemic risk. Great. Okay, good. So, so, the, so this is a structure we have, right? We have this extra structure put on by Dodd-Frank. The Office of Controller of the Currency, created during uh, the Civil War era, ends up being a, a, a regulator that's looking at the largest banks, two-thirds of assets. And into this position comes, comes, um, comes this person uh, uh, named Sol Omarova. Um, in about a minute, can you give her brief, uh, her brief biography, uh, Vern McKinley? Sure. Um, well, she's got a very um, interesting upbringing, um, and it's similar to the FDIC chair, um, uh, Yelena McWilliams, who 
grew up in Yugoslavia. I mean, they both grew up behind the Iron Curtain. Uh, McWilliams um, from Yugoslavia and um, uh, Professor Amarova grew up in uh, the Kazakh so, uh, Soviet Socialist Republic, which is now referred to as, as Kazakhstan. And she was, uh, she studied at Moscow State. Um, there was a big, <laughs> there was a big focus on the fact that she, she won a Lenin personal academic scholarship during her time at, at Moscow State. And she, um, was part of an exchange program in the late 80s, early 90s to the U.S. at, at Wisconsin, University of Wisconsin-Madison. And this was right around the time where the Soviet Union collapsed, and she decided to stay um, at the University of Wisconsin, and she stayed there for about 10 years and ultimately got her Ph.D. in political science. And then she went on to Northwestern and got a, um, a law degree. So she spent from roughly the mid-80s up until about 2001 in these academic environments. And she started her life in the U.S., um, didn't have very much money to begin with. Same story that Chair McWilliams, when she was uh, uh, nominated, played up. And so um, she, after she finished uh, law degree, um, she... Um, went to a law firm, one of the big law firms in New York, and um, Baker McKenzie and worked, uh, I'm sorry, um, uh, Davis, uh, Davis Polk and Wardell, which was a big Wall Street law firm. She worked there for about five years. I don't think she ever made partner. She was just an associate. And then she wor worked at the Bush Treasury for about a year. Um, this was right before the crisis, is like 2006, 2007. And then since then, she's been an academic um, at a number of uh, uh, major universities, and she's at Cornell right now. But she's been very active in her writings and um, uh, also her speeches, uh, uh, very um, clear ideas of where she wants to things ahead. I mean, we can go into some of the specific writings well, that she's done. But um, they've been very controversial and were a big focus of um, of the, the media focus over the last couple of weeks and also during the hearings 10 days ago. All right. So, Vern, let's let's take a break here. We come back. Let's start exploring uh, 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 Professor Omarova and uh, what she's been, what she's been doing since uh, her since she um, since she left uh, the Wall Street law business and went to. Uh, went to be an academic, uh, and uh, we'll do that. We're visiting with Vern McKinley here on the King Banyan Show on The Biz, 1440. Soaking up the sun in Fiji. Walking through the Sculpture Garden in Minneapolis, or standing in awe at the Grand Canyon. We're where you are. Listen to The Biz 1440 at odyssey.com or with the free Odyssey app. So right now may be the perfect time for you to rethink how you pay for health care. And here's why. Not only is it time for open enrollment for a lot of people, it's also when you can join MediShare and save even more than usual for the typical family, switching to MediShare saves about $500 a month, which is a game changer for a lot of people. Think what you could do with that. But if you join right now, MediShare is waiving their new member fee. So that's another $170 you'll save. And MediShare is really different. It's a community of Christians who share each other's health care bills. More than 400,000 people are members, and they've shared over $4 billion in medical bills. So, yes, they can handle your bills, too. This may be the time to make the switch. Join before November 30th for the additional savings. It's so easy to find out more. They're great to talk to. In fact, you can get a price within two minutes. Here's the number. Call 844-57-BIBLE. That's 844-57-BIBLE. 844-57-BIBLE. It's said that if you don't like the weather, just wait a few minutes and it'll change. Well, the weather isn't the only thing changing. According to our latest research, local business owners today are saying it's getting harder to sustain their business than it was just a few months ago. They also told us that 
targeting the right audience with their advertising messages is more important than ever. At Salem Surround, our team of local in-market experts take that seriously. We utilize the latest research and marketing technology to deliver media plans that will exceed your expectations. Let Salem Surround show you how we can solve for your marketing challenges by bringing nationwide resources while delivering Main Street solutions. Salem Surround is here to help you through the constant changes. We promise we'll help your business stay ahead of the changing weather. Learn more at surroundmsp.com. Surroundmsp.com. Connecting you with new customers. What does it mean to be a Christian woman in our current culture? How does your faith in Christ relate to the world around you? At times, being a Christian can seem like an overwhelming task in today's busy and challenging landscape. That's why you should visit iBelieve.com, a site designed for Christian women. Whether you're looking for insight, conversation starters for your church group, or just an uplifting message, you'll find it at iBelieve.com. Visit iBelieve.com, a division of Salem Media Group. Need new windows but don't want to sit through long, high-pressure sales calls? I get it. What if I told you you could get competitive quotes from three contractors after one short meeting with me on any window brand, and it's all free? Visit My Three Quotes online. That's My Three Quotes. Welcome back. King Banyan Show, The Biz 1440. We're visiting with um, my good friend, independent consultant to uh, largely to central banks around the world, uh, and author, co-author of Financing Failure, uh, and and of and I'm forgetting your other book, doggone it, uh, of uh, borrowed time, uh, Vern McKinley. Uh, I actually like Financing Failure too. I'm going to praise both books. I think they're still both available. Uh, anyway. Um, I wanted to talk talk with him more. So, since you have that background in those two books, Vern, maybe the place we start with uh, Professor Omarova is her attitudes about bankruptcies and bailouts of in the financial sector. Um, she was asked lots of questions about this during her during her testimony uh, uh, to you know in which happened I want to say a week ago Thursday. Um, so, uh, I was wondering if you had some comments about what her views in this area are. Well, yeah, she um, she's very critical of the systemic risk that the largest of the banks um, expose uh, the system to. And uh, I think that's one of the reasons she was appointed is um, the progressives um, really wanted a push to make sure the you know, the two big to fail banks um, had somebody that was a tough overseer. Um, and I, I think in a lot of ways she would be uh, a tough overseer and someone that the big banks um, uh, can't control. And um, that's why they, to some extent, have been fighting back against their nomination. Uh, as far as the bailouts go, <clears throat> I think the most relevant proposal she has is a, a national investment authority. This is kind of a, uh, essentially a government uh, investment authority, a government bank. Uh, sometimes in countries they call these development banks, which would have at its disposal investment uh, funds. And in the case of bailouts, um, you would ha- essentially have an authority that would have standing bailout authority. You wouldn't have to every time you had a crisis um, start from scratch and figure out a way to address it, you would have this standing bailout authority available, this national investment authority that would be ready or at the ready to um, prop up any institutions, including the two big to fail banks that um, met with instability. The problem I see with that is that if you have this standing authority, and, and we learned this lesson from similar uh, history of this, we had a a war, war finance corporation uh, right after World War I, or during World War One, and after it was done with its job, it kind of lingered on for a few decades, and then you had the Reconstruction Finance Corporation in the 30s. Um, it was created in the 30s, and it lingered on for another couple of decades. So these entities are always looking for something to keep themselves busy. I think the bottom line with regard to bailouts is that 
um, it's more likely to have bailouts if you have this ready entity sitting there uh, looking for something to do and looking for something to invest its money in. Um, I, I think it'd be better to avoid um, having that type of entity created that's uh, going to be there into perpetuity. Yeah, well, let me – I don't know if I'm pushing back on you. I mean, I, my sense is you would agree with me, but tell me how different that would be versus what happened during the great financial crisis and, you know, the piece that you've been very critical about in 2008, 2009. How different would it be to have a standing authority versus the ad hocery that happened at that point? Well, she would argue that you have these people that um, – are at the ready, are experts um, in this entity. But, I mean, I don't see the point of having a a standing authority if, you know, we went from um, essentially the the Great Depression in the 30s up until the financial crisis during, um, you know, 2007 to 2009. So we went 70 years where this authority wasn't even considered. And I don't think it makes a lot of sense to have this entity just sitting around for 70 years or 50 years or 30 right. years, whatever, whatever the time frame is between these crises. Um, you know, I think the, the resources could be a lot better used. And I mean, again, it, it just encourages the bailouts. I'd, I'd like to get away from the bailouts. I think, I mean, the, the book we had about city where it's been bailed out five times and there's a real moral hazard issue. The big banks are relying mm-hmm. on these. Um, bailouts. I, I think it's just better to cut back the safety net, cut back the bailouts rather than um, what she recommends, which is it's going to make it more likely that we'll have bailouts in the future. So I, I would, uh, and she really doesn't address this in her writings at all um, about the moral hazard of having such an entity. And uh, yeah. but, but she she seems to have this idea that you know it's it's good to have the government there. Um, at the ready and um, with the funds to, to make these investments. And it also um, links into some of her thoughts on, um, like, the, the oil industry. She's basically said that in some of her comments, uh, some of her speeches and some of her uh, interviews she's done that, um, you know, we should have this investment authority that would be at the ready. I mean, she's a big fan of uh making adjustments because of climate change. So she would uh, she has said she wants these oil companies to go bankrupt. She backed down a little bit on those comments at her testimony. But um, one of the ideas with this National Investment Authority is that you'd have this money for a transition from, um, uh, you know, fossil fuel industry uh, in, in, the, in the gas industry and, and, and oil industry and you could transition them um, to make sure you don't have instability in that. But she basically wants to, to push them into uh, bankruptcy over time so that, um, you know, we can address the climate change issues. Yeah, indeed. I mean, because you watched the testimony, Vern McKinley. I wanted to just say I, I watched probably only about 30 to 40 minutes looking at YouTube highlights, basically, of, of the testimony. It's all I had time for this week. But... I would I would say um, in general I don't know my comment to to somebody I don't remember who I said it to, but someone here on campus said, no that that woman backpedaled faster than a cornerback covering Randy Moss in her in his prime. <laughs> um, that, that I mean I mean literally I mean she kind of walked back every single paper it seems she'd ever written. I mean is am I right about that? Is, was that your impression too? Because you watched all of this. Yeah, absolutely. She, um, I, I mean, she sees this whole uh, domination slipping away, and um, and all these. I mean, we can get to the individual policies, but she has a, a paper called the People's Ledger, where essentially the Fed would supplant the commercial banks as um, as the acceptor of deposits. So you wouldn't. You wouldn't you wouldn't have the um, the banks play the same role. They would basically be an agent of the Federal Reserve, and then this is kind of integrated with the idea of a of a um, 
of a CBDC, the central bank digital currency. And so um, this is why a lot of the, the banks are up in arms, because they see um, some of her proposals in this people's ledger um, as basically killing the industry, killing a lot of the small banks and such. And she uh, has a, a something that's been quoted many times about, um, uh, you know, the whole... Um, this is going to change banking as we know it. Um, so uh, a lot of people picked up on that quote um, and criticized her for for um, trying to kill the, um, the the whole range of banks and in one of their main roles, which is to collect deposits and allocate credit. Yeah, I think that, uh, and and it's pretty clear she she was running back from that. There's lots of things we could talk about. Uh, I hope I could keep you keep you for another segment or two. Um, I sure. want, I, I don't think in fact, I, I mean, one of the things you, you indicated as being a topic, I had not paid much attention to operation choke point. Um, I'm going to tell the listeners, you can go look it up on wiki if you want to see what that is. And we're going to talk about it right after this. We're visiting with Vern McKinley here on the King Banyan show on the biz 1440. Yeah, yeah. Just want to give gratitude, yeah. Hey, this is Isaiah with the Kingdom Builders Roofing. A few weeks ago, I was reading Psalm 67. It reads, May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. I'm sure that most of us have heard that verse many times before. However, this time it hit me differently. I realized that we often stop reading at the end of the first verse and go about our day seeking God's blessings. But I started to wonder, why is the psalmist asking God to bless him? As I kept reading, the very next verse gave me the answer, that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. We were never designed to enjoy God's blessing, provision, and salvation without also spreading his glory. If you have any questions or comments about this or other scripture, you can reach me at Isaiah at thekingdombuilders.com. That's Isaiah at thekingdombuilders.com. Or feel free to call our office at 612 900 9166. You don't sit behind a desk every day to earn a living. You're out and about making it happen. And sometimes you get a little bit behind on your paperwork, you know, like bookkeeping and paying your taxes. It's easy to get behind on paying your taxes. It happens to the best of us. And you know what happens next. The big bad IRS comes knocking on your door. And when that happens, you need to call the good old boys at the tax doctor. Let them do what they do best. Deal and negotiate with the IRS so you pay the lowest you can in back taxes that the law allows. We are a 100% U.S.-based company, and we've saved our clients millions over the years in back taxes. If you owe $10,000 or more in back taxes, call my friends right now at the tax doctor and learn more. 800-917-8546. That's 800-917-8546. Dr. Gorka here, and you know me. I am very cynical about products, especially those that claim to help people suffering from pain. So when I tell you that Relief Factor truly works, I want you to know that I mean it. I suffered from a stiff lower back for almost a decade, one so painful it made it difficult to kneel in church on Sundays. When I finally decided to give Relief Factor a try, I didn't ever imagine that I would find myself free of the pain. But that's what happened. Now I take Relief Factor every day. Almost 70% of the more than half a million people who have tried Relief Factor end up ordering more. That's because it works for them the way it worked for me. Isn't it time for you to get out of pain? Your first step to becoming pain-free should be to order the three-week quick start for the discounted price of only nineteen ninety-five. Go to relieffactor.com or call 800-4-RELIEF to find out more about this offer. Feel the difference. Beans and cornbread. Beans and cornbread. Beans and cornbread. Beans and cornbread had a fire. 
We still have the music of your Thanksgiving dinner here on the King Banyan Show, the Biz 1440. Thank you for listening to us today. Uh, we're visiting this hour with uh, independent financial consultant uh, and author of Financing Favor, fi- Financing Failure and Borrowed Time with James Freeman. Uh, uh, Vern McKinley's with us here, and we're talking about the Omarova. Uh, Saul Omarova uh, nomination, uh, which appears to have gone down in flames. Is it over, uh, Vern McKinley? Or you actually said something that put a shiver in me uh, as I thought, as I saw it uh, in uh, in uh, on Twitter uh, to me a couple days ago. Is it over? <laughs> well, um, it ain't over till it's over, but. Um... I think one option and um, uh, for the Biden administration is to do what's called a, a recess appointment. And this is essentially if the Senate goes on recess, that someone in a position, uh, an appointee like uh, Professor Amarova can be appointed. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't mean that she'll get a full five, I think it's a five-year term at the OCC. But it does mean that she would probably have the job for a year. And because the Senate is nominally controlled by the, um, uh, the Democrats, it's, it's definitely possible that it can be done. The, the complications happen when there's a president of one party and a Senate of another party. And what the, um, the Senate will do if it's a different party, and this was the case when President Obama was uh, in office, um, they try to avoid going on recess. They do some kind of nominal activity just so it's not considered on recess to block any attempts to do these recess appointments. But she could be put up in, in one of these recess appointments for one year and hold the office. Um, and uh, so, I mean, that is one option. And if she curried the favor of the industry, curried the favor of the Republicans in the Senate, they could consider renominating her in the next Congress, and then she would get a, a full five-year term. And alternatively, she could also be appointed by uh, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen as the deputy comptroller. Right now, there's someone, um, his name is Michael Sue. Uh, who's heading the, the OCC since the, the early part of the year. He was appointed by uh, Janet Yellen um, to be the deputy comptroller, and he's acting comptroller right now. So they could do the same path to get her. So these are two ways of bypassing the Senate, um, uh, you know, the, the Senate advising consent power. So both of those are options. I mean, and then other options are they could make or they could nominate Michael Sue permanently for that position if they decide to abandon Professor Amarova, or they could consider a completely new person. I think that last option is is probably not likely because they don't want to essentially start from scratch again. Right. So, so let me uh, let me point give you just one. I wanted to play this one clip because this takes about a minute, Vern. Um, and this was uh, uh, Senator Cynthia Lummis. She is the senator from Wyoming. Um, and she, I was listening to her. I, was, I listened to about a half dozen uh, five-minute question and answer between senators and, and Professor Omarova. And this minute was probably one of the more interesting minutes that I heard. I know there were some that were sort of more more popular on uh, on the on the news programs but i found this one particularly interesting so hopefully uh sean uh, uh uh vern can hear this as well cut number seven please question do you believe that a government issued representation of currency of value is superior to private commerce I believe that we do have government-issued money right now in this country, and it's working great. And I worry about allowing private innovation to undermine a lot of important public policies that we need to pursue in this country. Okay, and what are those public policies? Well, for example, national security. 
national security is a very important uh, public policy. Do you think that Bitcoin threatens national security? I'm not an expert on Bitcoin, but I would worry if all of our financial transactions were up to some blockchain system where, you know, various actors who might actually be located in other countries, not particularly friendly to us, control the functioning of that system. That would be my worry, yes. So, Vern, <laughs> I thought government money is work, government um, issued money is working great, was one of the better phrases of, the, of her entire testimony. <laughs> I have an opinion about that, but uh, this, is a, this is an interview. What's yours? <laughs> well, um, my first job was uh, during the late 1970s. I worked at a grocery store and I learned a lot of lessons about inflation during that time. And yep. I also, when I went to college a couple of years later, I had uh, intermediate accounting courses, and we learned about a, a lot about inflation accounting. So I'm afraid I'm going to have to descend. And, and obviously, in the last 18 months, we've seen inflation uh, kind of creep back, not to the 1970s or early 80s level, but certainly um, caught the Fed off guard. And uh, there's plenty to say about that. But yeah, I think the whole idea that you know money is working great is is just not true at all. Um, you know, given these bouts of inflation, I mean, the, the idea that if you have a, enough smart people at the Fed sitting around a table, that everything's going to go great, and this is kind of consistent with a lot of her arguments in her academic work. Um, she's very willing to trust the government, and. Um, I mean, there's been a lot of mention and criticism over. I mean, this is almost like Goss Bank territory, and and you may remember the Goss Bank from your your um, advisory work, but it, it's really a blending of the commercial bank system and um, uh, the central bank system. You know, you have one entity, and I think a lot of her uh, recommendations, a lot of her uh, papers, her academic papers really move in that direction so i mean i'm much much more behind a system where consumers can choose if they want to do uh if they want to use a stable coin or if they want to um use bitcoin or if they want to use uh, fiat currency they they have the choices and in some of her writing she seems to lean toward uh, she doesn't say she's going to outright ban all the cryptocurrencies, whether it's Bitcoin or the stable coins, but um, she would, as comptroller, have a lot of authority over this because a lot of what's been considered uh, by the acting director, uh, Michael Sue, is how involved um, the banks, and in particular the national banks that would be overseen by the OCC, how they're going to get involved in cryptocurrencies and um, stable coins, what role they'll have, whether it's within the business of banking, which is this phrase that you might hear about, um, you know, whether uh, national banks can get involved or not in um, various uh, services and activities. So it's very, very relevant to the position at OCC, and I'm afraid she would come down on the side of uh, fiat currencies and also uh, kind of central planning type mentality. And, and in the Wall Street Journal, they mentioned the Goss Bank as, as her model, and I would agree with that to a large extent because she really yeah. would blur the difference between the commercial banking system and uh, the central bank, and it would be all one entity in the Fed. Yeah, and this is this is reminiscent of, of hearing. I I think it was Elizabeth Warren when during her candidacy uh, for president that she talked about uh, favoring even uh, postal banks, which uh, are nineteenth right. century relic, really, and uh, in my mind, but it but is sort of a precursor to the very to the. Goss Bank and uh, other other uh, structures that she seemed that uh, uh, Professor Omarova seems to favor. Uh, yeah, definitely. And um, one of the other people that was mentioned um, during before Professor Omarova was um, 
a law professor named uh, Marissa Baradaran. I don't know if you've heard of her, yep. but she yep. was someone yep. that was considered, and she's a big advocate of the postal banking. So, I mean, this is kind of follows along the same lines. Um, right. The, you know, that's just where the progressives are these days as far as a lot of these ideas that um, you move a little more toward government control. And um, a lot of people in the industry, and especially the, the crypto people, are are pushing back against um, that narrative. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know what? Why don't we take a break here? Because I'm going to want I want to talk to you about Operation Choke Point. Everyone's had a chance to look it up now and try to understand what that is. I have a very specific question regarding this Vern, and I want to share it with you. We're visiting with Vern McKinley, uh, uh, independent financial consultant, author of two books. Uh, on on the financial system, uh, and uh, we'll be, we're listening here to the King Banyan Show. We'll be right back after these messages on the Biz fourteen forty. The Biz 1440, KYCR Golden Valley. Unless you've visited our studios, you probably haven't seen how clean they are. But I assure you, you can hear it. Hey, I'm Trevor Kay, checking in on behalf of Forever Cleaning. Tasha and the team at Forever Cleaning are a big part of why we sound so fantastic on air. I mean, have you ever heard a dusty mic? Not here you haven't. It sounds something like this. No good, right? But Forever Cleaning's attention to detail goes beyond the studios in this microphone. Our break room is clean and inviting, the office areas are orderly and organized, and the bathrooms are always spotless. If you need Forever Cleaning's expert care in your office or store, or you just want to make certain your mic sounds as good as mine, well then reach out to Tasha and her expert team today at ForeverCleaning.com. That's ForeverCleaning.com to schedule your free walkthrough and quote. ForeverCleaning.com. That's the number four, EVRcleaning.com. Remember, Forever Cleaning is so thorough, you'll wonder if your mom snuck in overnight and cleaned. Every day, the men and women of the United States Marine Corps demonstrate their commitment to defend the American way of life. Since 1775, we have served our nation as a force in readiness. From combat operations to humanitarian assistance in every corner of the world. No matter where the mission takes us today or wherever our country needs us tomorrow, we always remember the land we call home. As Marines, we take a stand for each other, for our nation, for us all. The few, the proud, the Marines. The Bell Squad Radio Show airs every Sunday from 11 to noon on The Biz 1440. They address today's mortgage loan process and how to navigate through a highly competitive market. The Bell Squad team with Bell Bank Mortgage is paying it forward and giving back to the community. Experienced lenders with the Bell Squad will talk with local professionals from a variety of industries highlighting local businesses and communities. Join the squad Sundays at 11 a.m. on The Biz 1440. Salem Surround partners with your business to deliver custom digital marketing solutions. Surround your target audience wherever they engage, search, surf, socialize, or review to keep your business top of mind. Learn more at minneapolis.salemsurround.com. Sightseeing in Ferris, at the Mall in Bloomington, or on horseback in Dallas. We're where you are. Listen to the Biz 1440 at odyssey.com or with the free Odyssey app. All right, welcome back, King Banyan Show, The Biz 1440, visiting this hour with uh, Vern McKinley. Buy his books, make the trickle of royalty checks rise. Come on, let's go. We need a river. We need a river. To help, our, help my friend Vern out here. Come on. All right, Six, 
We're visiting this hour, and I, I won't ask you for questions because I've, I've got to ask this very specific question because I had actually not paid as much attention to this Operation Choke Point question as you did, Vern. And so after I saw your piece, after you, you messaged me about, hey, that's a topic that we should we should hit on, I'm like, well, what did she say? So I'm not sure I found exactly what it is she said, but the, maybe to start everybody out so we all understand the same thing. What is or was Operation Choke Point? Sure, that was um, during the Obama administration. The, the Justice Department and some of the regulatory agencies, I think it was primarily the FDIC, basically got together and made a list of what um, Professor Amarova calls socially suboptimal companies or industries. Um, she uses that phrase in, in, a, in a lot of her writings. And um, Operation Choke Point, again, Justice and FDIC, and to a lesser extent, the other regulators, made a list. They had a, a codified policy that said, um, you know, these in, industries like payday lenders, firearms dealers, gambling, tobacco, all of which, um, with the exception of gambling, you know, all of which are uh, legal industries, and, and, and in the case of online gambling, you know, most a lot of states you you can uh, you can um, participate legally. Um, they they were essentially they didn't use the term, but to use Amarova's term, they were socially suboptimal, and so the the examiners at um, uh, FDIC or otherwise would scrutinize loan portfolios. They would see these industries having loans, and they said, hey, these are risky industries, um, and, and, and essentially discourage lending to them. And there were lawsuits um, to follow that up. But the link to Amarova is that she, you know, she would have the power to do something similar as head of the OCC, of course, you know, she was confronted this by this, um, and uh, Senator Loomis, who you had mentioned, I think she just point blank asked her, and of course, consistent with her backpedaling and all, she said, oh, no, I would never do that, I would never do that, I would never point out these industries, but then there's, there's these clips online that you can find where she essentially said this about the oil industry. Um, you know, and that we got to move them into bankruptcy, and you got to transition them out because of climate change. Um, so she would have a lot of discretion. There's an enormous amount of discretion in the uh, the, the the laws that the the enabling laws for the office of the comptroller, where they can um, implement examinations or supervisory um, warnings or any of their tools that they have and um, discourage lending in, in select industries. So um, I, I think um, Chair McWilliams with the FDIC has basically said that um, the FDIC policy is completely 180 degrees and they would never do anything like that anymore. But there's obviously a risk with Amarova that she would um, have the power to do this if, if she's um, not... Um, you know, kind of, kind of limited in their authority somehow. Right. I, I, so I brought this up because I was talking to a, a, a commercial lender here in uh, central Minnesota who had who had a, pers- a business owner come to seek a relationship to do some lending. The problem was the business owner is in the business of uh, providing uh, medical marijuana uh, right. to uh, patients. Med mar- medical marijuana is legal in the state of Minnesota. He's not allowed to, to, to lend to them, right, by these laws, which strikes me as being rather rather peculiar, uh, right? You know, it's, a, it's an odd thing to, to, have that, to have that not being available. But this is like taking that idea, and I thought it was just a, a quirk in the law and it wasn't bad, but as I read this more about Operation Choke Point, I'm like, so we were really stopping this in a broad variety of things that are far more legal than medical marijuana, nationwide legal. And and it just shows further the, the hostility to allowing private actors to engage finance in, in a way that they find helpful. 
Um, I just, I, I mean, I just found it really, really odd. And combine that with her attitudes toward Bitcoin. I don't know what your feelings are about decentralized finance or DeFi. I find it fascinating and, and something that that I want to follow and 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 feel hopeful about that it might change how finance is done in the, in the world. It might not. I mean, you can easily oversell this, but but I think it's there. But but it almost feels like she would like to kill the idea in the crib uh, at this moment. Uh, yeah, she um, is definitely on the side of the um, fiat currencies and. One thing that a lot of the Demo- – I mean, the Democrats on the Senate panel basically said um, regarding um, some of the issues that she's written about is that she won't have a lot of authority um, as head of the OCC, like the whole idea of uh, migrating uh, deposits to the Fed. Um, so they basically said, yeah, you know, sure, this is what she wrote. We may not agree with that. But it it would be irrelevant if she's the head of the OCC, if she's the comptroller of the currency. So, um, uh, you know, that that was how it was resolved. But none of the Democrats really um, got into the micro details about a lot of her writings were, as just about everybody on the Republican side, with the exception of Senator Kennedy, who's kind of an ignoramus, uh, for some of his comments about, um, you know, he he said, well, should we call you professor or should we call you comrade? I mean, that's just idiotic. It made the Republicans yeah. look stupid. And yep. if anybody wanted a quote Agreed. from the hearing, they they were able to pull Senator Kennedy's quote and um, made it look like all the Republicans took that. But took that approach but i i think the republicans you know i don't fit comfortably in either one of the parties but i think the republicans did a pretty good job of at least focusing on, except for with the exception of senator kennedy focusing on her writings and her speeches and um you know her background as opposed to whether she grew up in kazakhstan or or the kazakh right. republic um you know which some people yeah. if you look online you know, have said some pretty stupid and crazy things about linking. I I, for, I for fully agree. And, and, yeah, um, absolutely. Job. Yeah, Vern, thank you so much for being with us this hour. I really appreciate it, Vern McKinley, uh, uh, with us here. Thank you for listening. I uh, hope everyone's had a happy Thanksgiving. Um, yes, Solomarova is like the uh, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Uh, we'll pay more attention next week on the King Banyan Show on the biz. Okay, we are running a car drive right now to help veterans all across America. So if you have an old car, truck, or van, even a motorcycle or an RV sitting around, you can right now give it away and help the vets. They really need your help. And your car will help support the vets and their families. And guess what? You even get a tax donation. Plus, we'll even come and pick up your car for free. And all you've got to do is pick up your phone right now and make a free call. Now is the perfect time. Time to do something good for the vets. Give back to the vets right now for all they've done for this country. And your old car can really help them. So call the Veterans Car Donation Program right now for free pickup of your vehicle. Help the vets and help your taxes at the same time. Call right now. 800-884-9018. 800-884-9018. That's 800-884-9018. Hi, it's Lee Michaels here for United Faith Mortgage. You know, it's that time of year, the chill is in the air, and maybe you're thinking it'd be really nice to have a new house with a fireplace, or maybe a backyard for that bonfire, or or a hot tub. Well, now's the time to get that new house and do it through United Faith Mortgage. Rates are great right now. Or maybe you're saying, you know, I like the house we have, but that fireplace, the fire pit, and the hot tub sound pretty good. So take advantage of a cash-out refinance. You know, United Faith Mortgage is a family business, and you can take advantage of them being a direct lender, meaning their team is part of a company that uses its own money to make its own lending decisions within its own walls. So that means there's no middleman and oftentimes a better rate for you. So visit United Faith Mortgage at unitedfaithmortgage.com, and right now they'll pay your appraisal fees. That's up to $500 of -of out-of-pocket money that normally 
gets paid up front. UnitedFaithMortgage.com. United Mortgage Court, Melville, New York. Animalist number 1330. Ryan Vrick, Animalist number 65233. Well, I moved into the house in uh, the summer of 2018, and the siding was terrible. Hi, I'm Dave from Matami Dive. I got a hold of JTR through Friends. It almost looked like uh, a giraffe. There were dark stains where the water had saturated the old paint that was on it. But there were other things that needed addressing. And uh, there were a multitude of things from putting doors in and railings and, and doing some electrical and things like that. All of which JTR gladly folded into the contract and took care of for me. It was an amazing transformation. In fact, my brother-in-law, who had visited before we had the siding done, when he came back about a month after it had been done, he stopped out in front of the house and called me and said, what's your address again? Because he couldn't believe the difference. Contact JTR Roofing now for your siding, roofing, and window. There's holes and Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.